This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Funding for Igeret Hachuva, the Epistle on Repentance, is provided by Isaac, son of Devorah Mindel. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. We uh, began chapter 9, page 1090. And we're discussing the lower level of Teshuvah versus the higher level of Teshuvah. Teshuvah, repentance, which literally means, this, that's an incorrect translation, but that's the conventional translation of Teshuvah, is repentance. But the literal translation means to return, to return home. And that's the deeper level of the word Teshuvah. To return home to a place you never really left. And the word uh, teshuva itself, everything is in the Hebrew word. The word itself explains, gives away the essence of what teshuva is all about. Because if you break down the word in Hebrew, teshuva, it's toshuv hey, restore the hey. And he explains because God's name is yudke vavke, that's how God's name is written. And there are two hey's, there's the higher hey, the first hey, there's the lower hey, the last hey, the final hey. And so you have the two different levels of teshuva. But the Zohar refers to the lower level of Teshuvah versus the higher level of Teshuvah. The lower level of Teshuvah is when a person um, restores the damage. And, and because when you sin, you create damage, you, um, you create a scar in yourself, in your soul, you create a scar in the universe. And even in the divine, it even affects God's name. And by doing Teshuvah, by returning and reconnecting, you restore, heal, you restore that damage, and all the sin is wiped away, all the negative energy is wiped away and cleansed. But that's just basic, that's just the elementary, that's the first step, that's the foundation. But then you have to go further, you have to build on that. You have to ultimately reach the next level of Teshuvah. The next level of Teshuvah is restoring the first hate. And that is that the soul seeks to overcome its separation. Because the soul, by its mere existence, suffers from existential angst. The soul is in pain. The fact that I'm born, I didn't sin, I didn't do anything. The baby shrieks. When the baby is born, the baby shrieks. Because the baby feels, now I'm separated. Before, this, the baby was inseparable, there was no ego, there was no separation. The soul was, was united with its source. Now I became a separate entity. The baby shrieks, the baby's in pain. And the truth is, we continue to cry the rest of our lives. Some people feel it, some people don't feel it. But everyone cries. Especially, you see, if people act out. Why are people acting out? Why do people turn to addictions? Why do people become addicted? Tens of millions of people become addicted just here in the United States alone. Why? Because ultimately they're suffering from existential angst. They're crying. They're like that baby that never stopped crying. Because the soul has a problem with existence. Existence is a problem. It, we're troubled by existence because it's unnatural. Because the truth is, what's natural is we should be in a state of 
non-being and non-existence, a complete egolessness, completely absorbed within our soul. I mean, within our source, within God. The fact that we're separate, even if we didn't do, not only didn't we, didn't we do anything wrong, we've dedicated our lives, we've committed, we're committed Jews, we accepted upon ourselves the yoke of heaven, we're proud soldiers, loyal, faithful servants, you know, we're completely dedicated and devoted ourselves, not only our behavior, but ourselves, we're completely dedicated to Hashem, God, you're my master, you're my king. I'm totally committed and dedicated and whatever you, your wish is my, is my your wish is my command and I'm committed to live a Jewish life to think like a Jew and speak like a Jew and act like a Jew 24-7 and nevertheless the soul is still crying the soul is still in pain the soul is still in anguish because I'm an entity, there's an I there's I, a servant who's dedicated but there's a separation and the soul is yearning to overcome that separation. The soul wants to return to its state of being before it was born. When the soul was completely swallowed up, inseparable, and absolutely absorbed within Hashem. Absolute unity within Hashem. And that's the deeper level of Teshuvah. The deeper level of Teshuvah is this desire, this deep yearning and desire to overcome that ego, to overcome that sense of separation. To become completely egoless, to become completely unified within Hashem. That's the ultimate driving force of Teshuvah. Now some people feel this angst all the time. Very holy Jews. A tzaddik. Not what we call conventionally a tzaddik. The genuine definition of a tzaddik, which is only one or two in every generation. There's one. There's uh, King David, the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, a genuine tzaddik. You have to go back to LessonsInTanya.com chapters. Uh, start from the beginning and learn chapter uh, 9, 10, 11. And uh, trust me, <laughs> that, will, that will cure you. That cures us from all our uh, illusions. Um, what's a genuine tzaddik is one or two in every generation. Because a tzaddik is someone who feels the anguish feels the pain of existence. And the only thing that can justify this pain, the only thing that can overcome, soothe the soul, there's only one thing that can soothe the soul. It can overcome this gap, overcome this angst. And that is Torah. Every time you study Torah, every minute you spend studying Torah, every time you do a mitzvah, every time you do an act of goodness and kindness, you do an act of tzedakah, that moment you are unified in Hashem and especially when you're studying Torah so then you become completely unified with Hashem and that's the drive, that's why the soul is driven to constantly to this consummate relationship and connection with Hashem, it's all consuming as he's going to explain in this chapter, where every part of the soul is completely unified and connected constantly within Hashem. So this is the teshuva that drives the good deeds. That's why the rabbis and ethics of our fathers refer to teshuva and good deeds. In chapter 4, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Jacob said that one moment of teshuva and good deeds in this world is worth more than all the world to come together, combined. The sequence makes no sense. 
re- return, repentance, and good deeds. So first comes good deeds. And if a person messes up and doesn't do good deeds, then you can always mend, you can always fix it, you can always do teshuva. Why start out with teshuva? And the answer is because we're talking about a teshuva that's the driving force, that's pushing you to do the good deeds. Because you want to restore the soul back to its original state, you want to overcome this gap, you want to become unified with Hashem, within the absolute unity of Hashem, the only way you can achieve this unity and restore the soul back to its original state is through Torah and good deeds. So it's the Teshuvah that drives you, that's the motivating force, that's the intensity, the intense, the power that's pushing you to study Torah and do mitzvah. That's basically what we learned in the last chapter. And he brought the Zohar. The Zohar says that hey represents the four letters of Hashem's name. Every letter represents a different part of the soul and a different part of the ten spherot which corresponds to the soul, which is the source of the soul and the source of the ten faculties of the soul. So the hey yud represents wisdom. The hey represents the, the left brain, which is understanding. And that's why, how does a person overcome this gap? How do you restore the soul back? How do you do teshuva by restoring the original hay? Through studying Torah. Studying Torah is a matter of the mind. Studying Torah, understanding the Torah with your mind. So by engaging your mind, by your mind being completely and fully engaged in Torah, that's how you restore the soul. Your, your soul becomes unified within Hashem. <laughs> And he says that Bina, which is understanding, again, everything is in the Hebrew word. The Hebrew words and letters have so many layers of meaning. Bina itself is a break, if you break it down, there's two words. Ben Yudke. It's the son of Yudke. Yudke represents the wisdom and understanding. Ben, what's the offspring of intellect? What does intellect lead to when a person understands something very well? What does that give birth to? Emotions. Emotions. When you understand something, you understand that making money is good, then you want, to, you want to make it. If you have no understanding, then you have no desire. If you understand something, then you want it. Once you understand that something is good for you, is good, then, then you personalize it. Hey, this is good, and I want it. I'm attracted to it. Once you understand that something is poison, and something is hard, is... Uh, is no good for you, then you are repulsed by it. So intellect gives birth to emotions. Emotions give birth to thought. Thought gives birth to speech. And speech gives birth to actions. It's like a chain, a chain reaction, a chain event. One thing leads to the other. So the parent, intellect is the parent, and it gives birth to the emotions. So bina is the emotions, the ben the yutke gives birth to the emotions. And so the question that the Rebbe is going to address in the beginning of chapter 9 is, what does emotions have to do with bina, with hay? Hay is the intellect, which refers specifically to studying Torah, understanding the Torah. The emotions correspond to the vav, the six because there are six basic emotions. Also, the Vav is a straight line. It's the emotions. It's the connector. It connects the intellect, the action, and the emotions. We understand, up here we understand a lot. 
but it doesn't affect our actions. We all know the way we ought to be, that we'd like to be, but for some reason, there's a big, there's a bottleneck. It gets stuck up here. It doesn't, doesn't translate further. We all know deep down we want to be healthy. We understand the importance of health. But it doesn't translate into action. You know, the diet somehow always starts tomorrow. It never starts today. But somehow it doesn't, it doesn't, we know we want to change. And we ought to change, and we want to change, and we read about it, and we go to lectures, and we, we think about it, and we talk about it. And uh, next year, we're back to square one. Nothing changed. We didn't lift a pinky even. We didn't even make one baby step forward. Because how do you get from here to action? Unless it, it hits home. Unless it hits your emotion. It's only when you get an emotional response. That's when things start moving. If there's no emotional response, you can be very brainy. You can understand things. Uh, you, know, you can have an encyclopedic understanding and knowledge and awareness. And it means nothing. You know, the Nobel Prize winner who won the Nobel Prize because he figured out that smoking is dangerous for you could be a chain smoker. I mean, it doesn't necessarily, just because he is the one who made the discovery and he is the one who's the biggest world expert in the subject has zero impact on his own personal behavior. You know, Aristotle could teach ethics and his students once caught him in the red light district at night. You know, here he taught morality and he says, listen, you know, when I'm at the university, I'm a, a professor, but now I'm just a Joe Schmo and a, I'm enjoying myself. And, you know, one doesn't lead to the other. Understanding doesn't lead to action. Why? Because the heart is not involved. Unless you get an emotional reaction, it doesn't. So the vav is the connective. Vav are the emotions that take, that connect the hay, the upper hay to the lower hay. Connect the intellect to action, to behavior. If you want to change in behavior, that's why it's so difficult to change. Personality, character is so difficult to change. Intellect is easy to change. I can understand things, and with my mind I can travel the world. I can understand things, and I can... But try to change a real emotion. Try to change a personality trait. Try to change... That, that, that hits home. That's too personal, and that's so much more difficult to change. What were you going to ask them? No, I was going to say that, um, um, you know, psychology and therapy would say that um, it's... Uh, tolerating the pain with, um, so that you don't act out, uh, you know, on your feelings or on your, uh, your thoughts is what, uh, you know, causes you to change. Uh, you know, I don't see exactly how, I don't know, I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, the drive of the emotions. In other words, if Aristotle would be able to, like, tolerate this angst, this pain that's deep within him, then he wouldn't go to the red light district. You know, he would knock down on that. So how does that fit in to this idea? Because again, it's all exactly. It's all abstract. It doesn't change. A matter of fact, um, but we're just tolerating the pain. You know, in other words, well, you the pain you, of the angst. You, you don't feel it, or you numb it out. Most people are not in touch with that pain. If they felt that pain emotionally. Um, of course, they, would, they wouldn't act out. You know, they did a study, people who tried to quit their addictions without any success. Like the guy says, I've quit, quit smoking is no problem, I've done it dozens of times. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, and yet, when they found out that they were facing a life-threatening disease, Mm. Terminal illness. They got rid of their addictions in one second, overnight. What happened? 
Because now, suddenly, when their life was threatened, now it hit home. Now it hit home in their hearts. Emotionally, they felt the power. Hey, I want to live. I'm going to sacrifice my life for this momentary pleasure of a cigarette or any addiction, whatever it may be. It's, it's not even a contest. It's, a, it's an elephant versus a rabbit. I mean, what, what am I going to... The only thing is, like, because uh, I was thinking a similar thing. Like, people who live by their emotions, that could be very bad. Because if they want to just do something that makes them happy or makes them, I don't know, whatever, lose their mind. Whereas if you first are going to try to be smart and use your intellect, then you're going to try to... Uh, turn your emotions in the right direction. So, you know, that's, that's a big difference. I think a lot of people do live by their emotions. They do not live by a, a higher level. Well, well, you're right. A person who just lives by emotions. Emotions is a lot of heat. But life could become a big Italian opera. Everything is emotional and there's no guidance and there's no right? light. Right. It's all heat and no light. A person who just has intellect could be brilliant, but if there's no emotions, don't forget the person ultimately is emotions. A person who doesn't feel anything, a person who has no feelings, is not alive, really. But if the emotions have to be guided by their intellect. If emotions are not guided by intellect, then you have chaos. You know, the mind has to control the heart, has to guide the heart. But a mind without heart is like a locomotive mm-hmm where the locomotive, the first train, is detached, mm-hmm. is unhooked. Mm-hmm. So the locomotive is running around. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the 40 cars are waiting, haven't budged one inch. <laughs> There's no connection. <laughs> it's not the, mm-hmm. they're connected. The emotions are what take the intellect and move us. This is what makes us change. If we don't feel, we don't change. Mm-hmm. So you have to have emotions. Emotions are very vital to the person. Emotions are really what characterize a person more than the intellect. You need to be brilliant. The Nazis were brilliant. Germans were brilliant. So it doesn't, doesn't make you a better person. doesn't change you. It's the emotions ultimately that, that move you and change you. But they must be guided by the intellect, of course. Emotions alone are, are nothing, are chaos. Mm-hmm. Person, the person just mm-hmm. has emotions and, you know, you can mean well, but if you, if you don't have guidance to guide you, you don't have light to illuminate you, then, then you're going nowhere. But you need that combination. So you need the intellect, but then the intellect has to translate into the emotion. It's much more difficult to change an emotion. You, it's easier to know the whole Talmud backwards and forwards than it is to make one single dent in your character. A person can go through his whole life and know the whole Talmud and study the whole Talmud, but it's much more difficult to change one personality trait. You know, so you can be very egotistical. I'm brilliant, I'm smart, and I'll be the first one to tell you how smart I am, and how brilliant I am, but, but a little refinement, a little humility, a little goodness, a little kindness, a little selflessness, a little, you know, get over yourself, a, a genuine change in emotion, that's much more difficult. But that's the Vav, that's what the Vav represents. The Vav represents the emotions. But the He represents the intellect. So when we're discussing the ultimate level of teshuva, the higher level of teshuva, that you're trying to overcome your existential angst, and you want to become absorbed within Hashem. And the way you do that is by engaging your mind, by studying Torah, by fully engaging your mind and immersing yourself in the studying of Torah. So 
why are we discussing emotions when we're discussing intellect? Bina, which is the intellect, the word itself says ben yudke. That the yudke, the intellect, gives birth, the offsprings give birth to the emotions. How do emotions come into the picture? Why are we bringing in the emotions when we're discussing uh, pure intellect? The act of studying Torah. There's no uh, action. There's no, the intellect can, it doesn't cause any action. You think about it, that's the end of the line. <clears throat> you need the emotions to start doing something. Okay. So he's going to explain in chapter 9 that yes, we need the emotions and emotions are critical but there's two types of emotions there is an emotion that's natural every Jew naturally loves Hashem deep down every Jew feels Jewish and feels a connection it comes natural, we're born with it it's inherent we can't help it, we have a Jewish mother or if you convert halachically, then you have the Jewish soul. And you have that connection, innate, inborn, inherent connection. That emotion you don't have to create. That emotion is there. Now, it could be hidden. So you have to awaken it. You have to arouse it. All you have to do is awaken it. For example, the Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself. Or love God. How can there be a commandment to love? You can't command someone to love. I can command someone to do. You can force yourself to do. I don't feel like it, I'm not in the mood, but you do it. How could you command someone to love? Either I do or I don't. Commanding me is not going to make me love. If I don't love someone, but I order you to love. You can order me from today till tomorrow. If I don't love that person, the person rubs me the wrong way and I don't love them you're commanding me is not going to make me love you can't change an emotion on, uh, you can't order an emotion unless you're a politician then you, <laughs> if the polls say love you love you can't command someone someone to love either you do or you don't and how could the Torah command you to love your fellow Jew like yourself you do or you don't the answer is because the love is already there you don't have to invent the love you don't have to, don't have to create the love you're born with it naturally you love Naturally, every Jew loves Hashem. And naturally, we all love each other because we're all brothers and sisters, we're family, we're all connected, so it's natural. It gets covered up sometimes. So you have to awaken it. To evoke something that's there, that's easier to do. Then you could be commanded already. You're commanded, meditate, reflect, think about it, and you'll awaken the love that's already there. That's one type of love. But then there's another type of love. So the other type of love is a love that's created through the intellect. And this type of love needs a real deep understanding. In order to create, to give birth to a, to a, a feeling that's not there naturally. For this, in order to do that, you need a very deep understanding. You have to understand how Hashem is my life. And it takes, a, you know, it, you change your whole perception. It changes your whole perception. When you start perceiving and start realizing how Hashem is my life, 
Hashem is my soul. Hashem is the soul of the world. And you look and you start perceiving this world and you start seeing that this world is a body and Hashem is the life of the body and Hashem is the life of the party and Hashem is the life. So when I look at the world, what do I see? I see Hashem. Just like when I look at you, what do I see? I see you. Who is you? It's not your body. The body is a corpse. When the body is asleep, I don't see anything. I see you, the personality. The body is transparent. The soul, I see the soul. I see you, your personality. It's not the body. When you feel a person's presence, it's, when he's awake, it's the person. It's the personality. It's the soul. The body is just the container, just the vehicle, the vessel. It's you. You is not the body. You is your, your personality, your soul, your character, your, your being, your soul. That intangible self that we call soul that no one, none of us has ever seen or tasted or touched or smelled. But we're more certain of the soul than anything in the world we can taste, touch or smell or, or hear. It's the soul. It's yourself. It's that soul. And the, when I look at the body, I'm seeing your soul. Not that I physically see your soul. I only physically see the body. But I'm see, what am I seeing? I'm not seeing the body. I'm not looking at the body. I'm looking at you. Your personality, your character, whoever. Your soul. So we are a microcosm. What's true in the small, on the microcosm is true in the macrocosm. Once you, you learn to understand and you learn to perceive and you start realizing that I look at this whole world as one big body. Trees, organic life, inorganic, animal life, human life. <laughs> This whole world is just a body. And what's the soul that animates the whole body? Hashem. Even though I've never seen Hashem, I've never heard Hashem, I've never seen it. So, but Hashem is the soul of the world. And, I, and, when, and therefore, just like when I look at you, what do I see? I don't see you, I see your, your soul. So you start training yourself. That you look at this world, you see the soul. You walk down the streets, you see the soul, you see Hashem, you see Hashem is here, Hashem is right here. Everything that exists. Especially with what we know today with modern physics. Everything is truly atoms. Everything is energy. This table is full of energy. At this very moment, as we speak, the energy is transforming itself into this table, this cup, you, myself, I, this book. Everything is really energy. Matter is energy. And, the, and it's dynamic. It's a constant, dynamic, vibrant process that's ongoing every moment. And suddenly you realize this is a soul. The world is alive. It's not dead. It's not fragmented as it appears to be coarse material, it's alive, there's a soul. So when you start seeing through the body and you, the world becomes transparent and you start seeing godliness and you start seeing the divine energy and you start seeing Hashem and sensing Hashem wherever you go, suddenly Hashem becomes a presence, Hashem becomes a reality, Hashem becomes my life. And what does a person want in life more than anything else? What's a person looking for in life? What are we all looking for in life? Every one of us. What are we seeking for? What do we really want? It's not the materialism. If someone gave you a billion dollars but you're going to live a dull existence, you wouldn't take it. Who cares? You'd be bored to death. You'd be bored to tears. Everyone is looking for entertainment, excitement, something thrilling, something novel, something new, something interesting. We're looking for energy. What do we want in life? We want to feel alive. We want to feel vivacious, vibrant, alive, full of energy, full of excitement, every day an adventure. That's what we want in life. That's what we're looking for. Of course, we're looking in all the wrong places. <laughs> so we have constant distractions, 24-7, constant vacations, constant distractions, constant novelty. But of course, it's like chewing gum. It just wears off. I think we're down, well, what's the attention span today? We're down to 10 seconds. Where are we up to? <laughs> mm -hmm.
because you know you need something novel every day, something new, something new. Because it's boring, you know. I need something new. But what are we looking for? We're looking for something. We're looking for excitement. Looking for energy. That's what that's what it all boils down to in one word. So once you realize that what's the ultimate energy, what's the ultimate soul, what's the ultimate Hashem, when you're plugged into the source of life, when you're plugged into the source of existence, when you're plugged into your life and your existence, the soul of your soul, the soul of your energy, the soul of everything around us, Hashem, that's when you, when you're plugged in, that's when you're energized, that's when you're rejuvenated, that's when you're recharged, that's when you feel alive. So you're looking for energy, run to show, run to a Tanya class. Study Torah, do a mitzvah, give tzedakah, take your money and give tzedakah, do a good deed, a good act, uh, act of goodness and kindness, help another person, do something good in your life. When you do something good, you feel alive. When you study Torah, you feel alive. When you do a mitzvah, you feel alive. When, you do, when you're shaking the lulav in the esrog, you're lighting the candle, you're doing a mitzvah, you're studying Torah, you feel alive, you feel connected. But this comes from, from a deep understanding. It's a total shift in perception of what's real and what's not real the natural love that every Jew has you don't even have to be educated every Jew even as a child instinctively and it's interesting many Jews who do to no fault of their own grew up without any Jewish education many Jews will tell you instinctively they just had a love for God for Hashem and a love for anything Jewish they, they couldn't even explain it because they never saw it in their homes they never went to yeshiva never went to school but inexplicably, instinctively, we just have a natural connection and anything godly or Jewish, we just respond. You don't have to have any understanding at all, any deep understanding and even a shallow understanding. It's just natural. But in order to develop that, you have to have awareness. So you have to have awareness to awaken that. But the emotion that we're discussing here is an emotion that's based on, a, on, on understanding, pure understanding. So in order to achieve such a level of emotion, you should be drawn to Hashem, you should be attracted to anything godly, to anything Jewish, to Torah, to mitzvah, because you understand that this is life, and this is the source of life. And if you're looking for energy, this is where you're going to find it. And look in the eyes of a Jew. Look in the eyes of an observant Jew. A Hasidic Jew. What do you see? Sparks. You see a spark. <laughs> a sparkle in the eye. There's a life. There's a joy. There's a passion. There's an energy. There's an excitement. We're coming from somewhere. We're going somewhere. We have a mission. We have a destiny. Mashiach is coming. We, we, we're coming from Mount Sinai. We're coming from Abraham. We're coming from Adam, the Garden of Eden. There's a theme to life. There's a purpose. Every day is an adventure. Every day is an excitement. You look into the eyes, even today, sadly, younger and younger. Today you look into some nine-year-old kids. Look in their eyes. They're dead. There's no spark. There's no innocence. There's no purity. <laughs> everyone is so hip and everyone is so clever and everyone is so smart and everyone is so... And you know what? It's dead. It's dead inside. And you need something more vulgar to evoke some excitement. To get some excitement, you have to do something outrageous and vulgar because it's dead inside. There's no life. There's no energy. And why do you think hundreds of thousands of Jews were attracted to Hasidim? 5,000 Chabad houses like this is attracting hundreds of thousands of Jews. Why? What do they see? Why would they be attracted to a Hasid who looks so different from them and comes from a whole different world? What's the kind of, 
But you know what? Because what a person wants most in life, you want energy. And they see the chassid, and they see, this is someone who's alive. This chassid has what I want more than anything in the world. This is priceless to me. This means more than anything in the world, which is that energy, that excitement. I don't know what it is. I have no understanding. I don't understand. He's not running to Las Vegas. He's not going to Disney World. He's running to shul, and he's so excited. I can't, I can't understand why he gets so excited about, about studying Torah and doing mitzvah and being selfless and doing acts of goodness and kindness and tzedakah and giving away his money. I can't understand it. My ego doesn't understand it. But I like what I see. I'm attracted. I'm intrigued. That's the first connection. I'm intrigued. I like this energy. I want to get some of it. How do I get it? So then you start learning and you start educating yourself and you start realizing and it, it's, it takes time. It's a perception change. It's a change of perception, a change of understanding of what's real, of reality, what's real. Godliness, this is reality. Hashem, this is the soul of reality. This is the soul of the world, the soul of existence. What are you looking for? You want soul, you want energy. You have to plug into the source of life. You want to feel alive. You want to feel vibrant. There's only one way. Indulgence. You're going to get artificial life, artificial excitement. But there's no, there's no, reality, there's no substance to it. It's like chewing gum. It tastes good for a second and a half, and then you spit it out. There's no reality to it. Indulgence, money, power, fame. At the end of the day, it's a dead end. It, 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 there's nothing there. It's a good fake. It's a good, it's a good Madison Avenue hype. It, it, you know, it makes a lot of noise, and, and it works for a moment and a half. But you know, And then you need another distraction. You need another vacation from reality. You need something even more vulgar and something even more novel. You have to push the envelope even more because inside it's so empty. And inside it's so, you're bored to death. <laughs> so you need... I do have a question. So if we have to, say, you know, work for Parnassa, you know, six days a week and... You know, even say the, the woman in Aisha's Kyle, you know, has to do all these things, but it sounds okay. But say you have to be at a job eight hours a day or more. So how do you, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's right. not necessarily exciting. Okay. But if you know that as a Jew, you are an ambassador, you're God's ambassador. You're not just working just to make a living. You're not just working to pay bills. It's not a necessary evil. This is your life mission. Six days a week, every one of us has a station, has our embassy, has our portion of this world that we stake out. And Hashem says, this is your portion, portion that you have to elevate, and you have to transform, and you're my representative. By working, and working honestly, and, 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 and what you do with the money, and how you carry yourself 24-7. So if, you, if you're charged with a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, then you feel connected, then you feel alive, then you feel charged then you feel, I'm doing something important. I'm doing something real. It's not just I'm surviving and I'm in this rat race and I'm living in this jungle. No, we don't look at this world as a jungle. This is God's world. And we're not just surviving a rat race. We, this is my divine mission. This is what I have to do. So therefore, you're, you're excited and you're charged and you feel connected through your divine mission. So when you realize that Hashem is the soul of the world and you realize that you have a sense of mission and you have a sense of purpose, then suddenly you come alive. And it changes everything. You know, throughout history, why did the Jewish people survive for 3,800 years? When everyone else is long gone and forgotten, we are the mighty Romans and the mighty Greeks. Footnotes in history, of interest only to historians. Because a Jew lives with a sense of mission. When you live with a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, a sense of connection, this is the driving force. This is the backbone 
the spine that keeps the whole organism together. Without a spine, you can have all the organs, but they all fall apart. They become a heap of meaningless blob. It's the spine that keeps it together. It's a sense of mission and sense of purpose. We never lost a sense of mission. This is what kept us alive, kept us vibrant, kept us young, and it's still keeping us young and fresh, and we haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. We're still we're looking to the future. Mashiach is coming. We just scrolled. Everything we've experienced till now for the last 3,800 years was a scratching, barely scratching the surface of the surface. You know, when you live with such an excitement and such a sense of mission and purpose, and you always keep your eye on the goal, this is what keeps you going. Versus if you, you lose that, all these mighty Roman empires. You know, they became flabby, they lost a sense of purpose, they lost a sense of mission, they lost their ideology, they just degenerated into indulgence, into decadence, and, and they lost it. I mean, America today is at a crossroad. America is at a serious crossroad today. America is going to have to make a serious choice. Which direction is it going? You know, for the first 200 years, we, we had a sense of purpose, sense of mission. We believed in, in something. We stood for something. Now, unfortunately, America is coming to a very serious crossroad. Are we going to follow the way of Rome and Greece, which started with fighting the family and fighting the sanctity of the family and destroying the family and doing everything in its power to destroy the sanctity of the family, which eventually led to its self-destruction? You know? And every empire in the past, every empire self-destructed, has lost so uh, this is a real serious question we have, you know, unless you have a moral backbone America was founded on a moral backbone and God we trust Hani uh, uh, and I we went to I don't know if you've ever been right across uh, the stock market you have uh, the first inauguration of the United States the first inauguration of uh, George Washington uh, have you ever been to what's it yeah. called the, uh, the federal what? federal hall yeah, federal something like that. Yeah. The Federal Hall. Yeah. So it's amazing. Because they have there, you, you can read George Washington's speech. It was such a Jewish speech. At first, he doesn't mention anything of the, of, the, of the Testament, you know, the Christian Testament. Only the Torah. But it's such a Jewish speech, such a Hasidic speech. He says, you know, divine providence and God, we see openly the, the hand of divine providence, how we were able to accomplish this and God helped us. I mean, it, it was... The country was founded on such a moral foundation, such a moral backbone. All men are created equal. This is a pure, purely Jewish concept. And because we all created the image of God. And when America had a moral background, Lincoln, you know, when he had a moral background, that's what made America great. All of a sudden, we're seeing the complete, the, the, the crazy debt, which is immoral, burdening our children with a debt that is impossible to get out of. And the whole complete breakdown, this anti-family, which America is going in this direction in just the last few months, which is, it's, it's just tragic. You know, they don't even realize the damage that they're doing. They're basically self-destructing. And, um, you know, they're losing its greatness. You lose its soul. If you have no soul, ultimately you lose your wealth and you lose everything. No wonder why America is bankrupt. The bankruptcy doesn't start with physical, but with financial bankruptcy. It starts with moral bankruptcy. There's no core. If there's no moral core, ever since God became a dirty word in America and they kicked God out of the classrooms in the public schools in the 1950s, we're seeing the results today. The complete breakdown of society. 
and the impoverishment on every level because richness begins with inner richness richness of the soul if you have a moral background if you have a moral foundation if you have a core if you have a backbone if you have a purpose you have pride you have a belief in something greater than yourself then you have a purpose then you have an energy you have a life today all you have is this flabby nothing what do we stand for? I mean, what? This right, that right. It's, it's, it's completely... <laughs> but let's talk about the positive. <laughs> um, it's just tragic because we're very proud of Americans and we're very patriotic and we're very proud of what America has done for the Jewish people. I think no country in history has been as kind to Jews like America has been. And to see America lose its soul and lose its greatness, it's pretty, you know, as Jews, we just have to cry. It's just sad and and the people that are pushing all these agendas are not your friend. People think that they're, they're the friends. The president is on their side and they're, they're the friends. Not their friends. They're, they're your worst enemies. This is Madison Avenue. They're selling you junk food. They're selling you uh, um, what's it, junk medicine and junk food. It's not your friends. It appears to be your friend. But these are the people who are selling you junk food and junk lifestyle. And pretending to be your friend. I want what's good for you. They don't want what's good for you. What they're pu- the agendas that they're pushing is literally leading to self-destruction. But the, 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 this is what people are looking for. Right? People are looking for energy and something inner. But this comes from the mind. When you start understanding reality from a deeper, a deeper point of view and you start realizing it, and you have to get it. It's come, you, know, you have to get it. You really have to understand what life is and what the source of life is. And to see how Hashem is my life and Hashem is everything. And if I want to feel alive, I have to be connected to the source of life. And the more I'm connected to the source of life, the more alive I feel, and the more life I'll experience. And that's what I want ultimately. I want life. And therefore, since I want life, this is my ultimate desire, and Hashem is the ultimate source of life, suddenly my emotions, I want godly things. I want Torah. I want mitzvot. I want good deeds, selflessness, goodness, kindness, tzedakah. This becomes my desire. This is an emotion that's born as a result of the intellect. This is the type of emotion that the Zohar is referring to. That's what he's going to explain. And I guess we'll learn it next week. But this is the types of emotions that the Zohar is referring to. Ben Yutke, an offspring of the Yutke, of intellect. The intellect that gives birth to this type of emotion. We desire Hashem because He is my life. And that's the, the content of your desire. And this type of emotion, an emotion that's based and built on the intellect, this is a direct offshoot of the intellect. You can sense the intellect. It's, the, it's not two separate things. There's the emotions, and then there's the intellect. But the intellect is like the, the guiding light that awakens the emotions. No, this is an emotion that's completely based on the intellect perceiving and understanding the truth and the reality and the more you understand it, the deeper you understand that Hashem is the life of the world and Hashem is the soul of the world and therefore therefore I desire Hashem I desire my ego myself what does my ego want in life what do I want really in life what's my urge and instinct my, my thrill seeking self my fun seeking self that's exactly what I'm looking for thrill, fun, en- energy, excitement, life, vitality where am I going to find that? Once I realize, where am I going to find that? Only in Hashem. By studying Tanya, studying Torah, doing mitzvot. Then I'll desire Torah mitzvot with all my heart and all my soul and all my being. 
I want to do it. Me, the real me, wants to do it. Not some holy, otherworldly, godly self. The self that naturally loves God. Which part of us naturally loves God? Our godly soul. Because we're all born with a godly soul. But my real self, my ego, my natural self, my animal soul. My animal soul has no interest. My animal soul can't relate to godly things. It doesn't know what you're talking about. It's a foreign language. My animal soul understands, give me a delicious ice cream, give me some fun, give me, give me some excitement, give me that I understand. That's tangible indulgence, no restraints, do as I please. That's, that's the language I, my animal understands. My animal doesn't understand Torah, mitzvah, godly, it's too abstract. He doesn't know what you're talking about. So the natural love is only, only affects your godly soul. But when, you, when your intellect, is so powerful and it's able to give birth to a love this is a love that affects me affects my animal self the real me my natural self my ego because what does my ego want what do I really want what am I looking for everything I'm looking for I'm looking for one thing life energy once I realize through my understanding and the deeper my understanding and the better I understand the more comprehensive I understand that Hashem is life suddenly I want life and I want the source of life to be connected to the source of life and the only way I'm going to feel alive, I'm going to have that sparkle in my eye. I'm going to have that zest and that real inner energy and real inner joy and real inner passion and excitement and, and sense of connection and sense that I'm coming from somewhere and I'm going somewhere and there's a purpose to my life and there's a beat to my step and my life has meaning and it's only when I'm connected to Hashem then I will want, every part of me will want Hashem. So this is an emotion that's completely informed and completely um, it's, it's constituted from the intellect that's the connection between the yutke and the offspring this is the emotion that's completely connected to the intellect because the whole emotion is based on intellect it's based on my understanding completely changing my perception completely changing my understanding of what's real and what's not real what's truly alive and what's not truly alive instead of superficial superficially Superficially, if you ask most people, they'll tell you, life. You want life. Go to Wall Street, people. You know, there's more energy in Wall Street than, than most synagogues I've been to. People look more alive in Wall Street than doing the shuls. The shul people are falling asleep, <laughs> especially when the rabbi speaks. <laughs> in, in Wall Street, there's a life, excitement, there's noise. There's, there's, go to the disco, go here, that, you'll see life. But the truth is, that's very superficial. When you open your mind and you start realizing what's really life, where's the real energy? Come to 770, you'll see real life. <laughs> you'll see real life. You'll see what real energy is. You'll see what real excitement is. You'll see what real passion is. What genuine joy is. Look in the eyes. You'll see that sparkle, that, that zeal, that zest, that sense of purpose. That's priceless. That, that a person wants more than anything in the world that's worth more than all the money in the world. That's what people are looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Every one of us deep down is really looking for. Once I realize what I'm really looking for and the only place I'm going to find it is in Torah, Mitzvot, and Hashem, then I'm going to love. I'm going to study Torah with love, with excitement. I can't wait to study a little more Torah. I can't wait to do another Mitzvah. I can't wait to come to Davin. I can't wait to celebrate my Jewishness, to do another act of goodness and kindness. So this is an emotion that's completely connected and is an extension of the intellect. So this is part of the hay. It's all part of the hay. It's all part of that higher level of teshuvah. 
of returning to Hashem, returning to Hashem based on understanding. And when, you when, you, when you're returning to Hashem based on understanding, and it leads to an emotion, it gives birth to an emotion, then every part of you will become inseparable and become completely united and reconnected with Hashem, and you restore the soul back to its original state, where the soul was inseparable, there's no ego, no separation, and completely unified, absolutely unified within Hashem. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.